0: I'm really excited about everything that God has for us as a community, for us as individuals this year. Just watching the different transitions and the different things that God's doing. We've got Paul arriving from uh, Scotland next Sunday at 12.50 p.m. So, uh, you know, that, that's a new and exciting thing for us as a community uh, as we've said in the emails, I'll just put the plug out here as well. We are still looking for a place for him to live. We're looking for a used car for him. So if you have any connections that way, we've been reaching out to some different ones, and we know God will provide. So we're not concerned in any way, shape, or form. But if you might be the person that knows someone that's renting out a basement or something along those lines, then uh, let us know. But we're excited about him coming and excited about what God's going to do. We're more excited. I'm just excited about everything that God wants to do through each and every one of you. You know, we're we're gonna be we're gonna be a people, His people, that are changing the GTA and beyond. That's the that's the thing that He's called each and every one of us to. He's called you here to this country. He's called you here to this church to be a people that would have an impact because you're His children. And, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he wants people to know the, who he is through your lives. But you know, none of this is possible without us, first and foremost, having his presence being the most important thing in our lives. You know, this month we're talking about where our kind of theme for us as a church is connection, getting connected in the community. There's different things that uh, are out in the announcements and in the emails and that just to let people know of different ways you can get connected in. And us being connected together as a church and as a family, it's so important. Us building each other up in love, it's so important. But the thing that's most important is our connection with God. You know, neither one is mutually exclusive of the other. Without that connection of God, we can't really function well as a community. We can't live in everything we're meant to. And if we have a connection with God, then it's going to drive us to community. It's going to drive us to one another, drive us to the plans and purposes that God has for each and every one of us. You know, it's a new year. So people are often, we're making New Year's resolutions. We're, We're saying, okay, I want to, you know, and New Year's resolutions are all about the things we want to improve in our life. You know, I'm going to get more sleep or I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to do this with my career. All, all these different things that we can have as New Year's resolutions. I, I would pray that one of the top resolutions that we would have if we make New Year's resolutions would be be that of a greater connection with God. And so I'm going to speak on this. I just felt God saying, I want you to to lay this foundation here in January and over the next few months about our connection with him. And so with that in mind, that's what I'm going to talk on today. What's your pearl of great price? What's the thing that you would sell everything for? It's an important question for us to ask ourselves. Because you know, it can so easily you know there's, when, when I say that to you, just pause and think about it. What is the most what would you give up everything for? What would you sell everything for? Just just let the that that question, holy spirit, would you would you speak to each and every one of our hearts this morning? And talk to us about what at this moment is actually our top priority. What is the thing that's most important in our lives? What's the thing that we would give up everything for in our lives? You know, it's, it's like Sunday school where the right answer, the joke is the right answer is always Jesus and i and when i say that it makes me go it's like yeah the right answer is jesus but is that what actually is the most important thing and it's so easy right for so many other things to take over in our lives and for things to get busy and just you know we're we're stressing and it's we live in a busy world we live in a busy environment we live in a busy city and and there can be so many things that end up being way more important to us than our connection with God. Even though we know the right answer is connection with God, other things end up if we look at where our time goes, if we look at where our finances go, if we look at where our 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 just our focus goes, it can so often not be actually about him. And yet, Jesus when he talked about God, he talked about God and his kingdom his reign being a pearl of great price for each and every one of us see when when we don't have a right view of god we don't understand his value to us and then god can just become a commodity that we consume or a tool we use to get what we want you know sometimes that can be well i, I don't want to go to hell and so you know unfortunately in some really negative teaching or bad teaching it's like god's well I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to use God to get to heaven. You know, on the base level. Or it can be, listen, I want to be successful, and so I'm going to use God for my goals and dreams. You know, I, these things that I want to do, I want to achieve, and I know God's going to help me get me there. And so that's, you know, I, I'm i going to really make sure that I am in a good place with God so that what I want to achieve is what's brought about. That's where we see God as this commodity or this, this thing we're going to consume or use. But that's not the relationship that God desires with us. And that's not actually the way the kingdom of God works. And so it's why we can be really frustrated and stressed out. It's, it's, unfortunately, that's how often God is presented to people. You know, We don't present a radiant picture of who Jesus actually is and why it is that we should follow him we think, oh, listen, God will be the answer to your problems. God will help you overcome this thing. If you would follow God, then he will do this for you. And that's, you know, while those may be true in the sense that God will be the one that helps us with a problem, God will be the one that helps us in different things. If we're following God for what we can get from him, then we've missed the point of following Jesus. We've missed the point of relationship. And, you know, it's when God becomes truly the treasure, when God and God alone becomes the treasure that we seek, when God and God alone becomes the reason for what we do. In other words, just that we're satisfied solely with relationship with Him. We're satisfied that Him, He is that pearl of great price, He is that treasure then and then we're starting to get what this relationship with God is all about i love the definition of, of, of when people talk about heaven and hell and they say listen there's going to be no one in heaven that doesn't want to be there cuz heaven's about eternal relationship with God it's about eternal connection with him right his his way his rules it has to be his way and his way only You know, it's, 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 it's that, that's what, that's what the new heaven and new earth will be like, where it's not about us, it's about him. But that makes, again, it makes it sound like, well, is there no joy in that? Of course not. It's the, the idea that when we're with him, that's where true joy comes. When we're with him, it's where true love comes. It's where the one that is good, the one that is good is the one that's actually dictating what, what happens, You know, Jesus, when people were coming to him, he was constantly asking them to give something up to follow him. And we called his disciples. They had to walk away from family. They had to walk away from professions. They had to walk away from what they knew to come and follow Jesus when he was on his journey with those disciples and people would come to him and say, hey, I want to follow you. Again, it would be, well, you know, to follow me, you've got to sell all your possessions. Or to follow me, you're going to have to, you know, come right now. You're going to have to give this up. You're going to have to give up this security. You're going to have to give up this thing. Am I worth following? After he fed 5,000 people and did all these different miracles and the people wanted him to do stuff again, he's like, you don't actually want me. You just want me to feed you. He was constantly challenging those that were around him and going, what is it that you want? Do you see me? Is it me you want? Or is it what I can do for you? We are to live in constant communion with God. What does that mean? You can say communion. Well, communion by definition is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings especially when this exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. So when we talk about being in communion with God, it's that we are sharing with God, and God is sharing with us intimate thoughts and feelings. That's communion with him. It's that we're in a place where where we are comfortable just being with God, being in his presence. And, you know, this is how God designed things from the beginning of the world. Because with Adam and Eve, God walked with them in the garden. He was there. He was physically present with Adam and Eve. He always, from the beginning, wanted relationship and his presence with us. And so when Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, to put a separation between, you know, basically what they chose is saying, hey, we want to do this on our own. The, the separation came. And so, but God still desired to be present with us. You know, while there was a separation of sin now, there wasn't, this wasn't a thing of God going, well, I don't, I'm not going to be present with you anymore. But that presence was different. And we see, you know, in scripture, if we look at Mo, you know, we look at Adam and Eve, who was God to them? Well, God was the one that created them. He was the one that created everything around them. He was the one that provided for their every single need. That's who God was. And as we see, even in, in the Old Testament, in the story from Adam and Eve to Moses, you know, when God is revealing himself, he's revealing himself as the one that can be depended upon, the one that can be followed, the one that will go before us. And so for Moses, when he's brought, in the story of Moses in Exodus, where Moses is chosen by God to read the Israelite people out of slavery, who was God? Well, he's the one that freed them from slavery. He was the one that was going to fulfill his promises to his people. He was the one that was going to go before them and lead them into the promised land. Now, Moses would had this practice after they'd been led out of Israel or out of Egypt, where he would go and he would meet in a. He'd set up a tent outside of the camp. He'd go alone and be in this tent, and he would meet with God, and God's presence, His physical presence, it was it was manifested that time as this this cloud that would come down, and 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 would come down on that tent, and it describes it in Exodus thirty three as God as Moses meeting with God. It's interesting. It's this term. It says face to face. But in the same verse in, in the, or sorry the same chapter, it also says that God says to Moses, "Well, no one can see my face." So it was there was the separation. So we're using this, this term, they met face to face, said like friends would meet. So while Moses wasn't necessarily seeing the face of God, God's presence was very much there with them. And you know the story? It starts in Exodus 20 where Moses goes up on the mountain and to meet with God, and to receive the Ten Commandments. And if you know how the story goes, he goes up on the mountain, he receives the Ten Commandments, and then he comes down and finds the Israelite people have been like, Moses has been gone for too long, he mustn't be coming back, and so now they start worshipping a golden calf. And Moses is so angry when he comes down, he throws the tablets on the ground, they're smashed, and you know he, he rebukes and challenges the people. And that's happening in Exodus 32. In Exodus 33, we have, we have Moses there with God. He's in this tent and meeting, meeting with God. And God's like, okay, I want you to go. And I want you to, I want you to go to the promised land. Lead these people. And he's he making comments like, look, these are a stiff-necked and rebellious people. but So I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to go with you because I'll probably kill them all. You know, This is what God's saying. Like, yeah, these people are so rebellious against me that I'm not going to go with you into the promised land. And Moses is there in the tent of meeting, meeting with God intimately and going, God, if your presence doesn't come with us, I don't want to go. I don't want to go without you into the promised land. Your angel that you're going to send is not good enough. You haven't told me who you're going to send, but if it's not you going with us, there's no point in us going. And so he says to God, God, if I found favor in your eyes, if I found favor in your sight, then go. Even though we are a stiff-necked and rebellious people, forgive our sin and, and you go with us into this promised land. And so God responds in Exodus 33, verse 14. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. If you know the Bible, if you know scripture, you know that Jesus makes a similar statement in the gospels where he says to people, you know, that that come to me all who are weary and burdened and you will find rest for your souls. So we see in the Old Testament God saying, "When my presence is with you, I will give you rest." We see Jesus inviting us and saying, hey, come to me, those of you, and you will find rest with me. So something really important that we understand with God is that when we are in the presence of God, we get the right perspective and we get rest. That doesn't mean necessarily we're napping. What What it means is that there's a rest and a peace that comes upon us because of a confidence in the greatness of God you know, and that we are not him, and but that he is with us in every area of our lives. He's with you. He's with you today in this theater. He's with you in everything that you do. We just want to be aware that he is with us. Aware of his presence. Not wanting to do anything without him. So after this, Moses, he is, is says to, so he's just asked God to go with him. God said, like, okay, I'll go with you. And then he says, okay, God, well, show me your glory. So again, we use this term glory. The Hebrew ter- word translated for glory is kabod. It means glory, honor, splendor. This thing of glory—it's like it's like. Let me show you how how good I am. How like my, all my splendor, all my riches. This is this is the, when you're talking about the glory of God. It's like, well, who is God? What gives God honor? What why is God honored above every other name? We say, you know, Jesus, your name is higher than every other name. What makes Jesus' name higher than every other name? What makes God so glorious? That's what Moses is saying, show me your glory. And so God's response to him in Exodus thirty-three nineteen 19 is, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Listen to that. Moses asks, God, show me your glory. And God says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Then he says, I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and compassion on whom I will have compassion. Then a few then in Exodus 34 verse 6 to 7, when God actually comes before Moses, and he says, look, I've got to hide your face. You can't see my face, but you'll see You'll see me coming by you. And he it says, as he passed in front of Moses, he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This is God describing himself. This is God describing his glory. He's saying, you know, the Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gr- a gracious God, Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Then he goes and says, Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children uh, for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. You say, Well, I like the first part, not necessarily the second. <laughs> but it's all part of his goodness. Because at any moment in time we see the one that 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 will punish, you know, sin forgives it when it's repented of. It's like, hey, if you want to live in this, then yeah, all I will deal with it. I I will not let the stuff go undealt with. I'm not going to let evil go unchecked. It will get dealt with. But if you'll turn to me, if you turn to me and repent then I forgive. I forgive wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Why? Because he's good. Uh, Words like this for me are incredibly reassuring because I know how imperfect I am. I'd imagine all of us are quite aware of how imperfect we are. And yet we have this perfect God who loves us, who created the universe and yet has time to commune with you. To share his intimate thoughts and feelings with you. And he cares about you. And he's good. And he's forgiving. The all-powerful God. Who loves you and forgives you. and, And cares for you. Who is gracious and compassionate towards you. Who is slow to anger. Who is abounding in love and faithfulness to you, to us. That's who God is. That's who God is. The treasure that we have of this intimate relationship with God. Why is it worth selling everything for? Why would Jesus describe the reign of God over our lives as worth giving everything up for? Well, Moses was willing to give everything up there, right? It's like, look, I'm not going to go to this promised land if you won't go with me, because there's no point in going without you. Jesus says for us in following him, if we want to hold on to anything else, if, if, if God's reign over our life is not the most important thing, then we don't really see the value of it. And if we don't see the value of it, we're never going to want to commune with him on that place where we share our intimate thoughts and feelings and are willing to hear his intimate thoughts and feelings. Jesus said it so well in, in John 3. You know, when he, was, he said, look, you know, God sent his son into the world to, not to condemn it, but to save it. Then he goes on and says, but people won't come into the light I am the light of the world, but people won't come to the light because, he says in this case, they know their deeds are evil and they don't want them exposed. Sometimes we don't want to fully abandon ourselves to God because we don't want our plans changed. Sometimes we don't want that communion with God because we're too busy with the stuff that we've put in our hands and we're not willing to open up our hands and say, God, Did you actually want me to do this? Is this what you want me doing with my time? Is this what you want me doing with my life? Or is there something more? Is there something more? Now, God's told us, you know, that Jesus told us that when, or actually it wasn't Jesus, it was Paul's writing, where he said, look, when you come to God, you come as you are. In the case of there, he's like, look, if you're a slave, don't worry about the fact that you're a slave, just Come. Come to God as a slave. If you, are, if you are a person of high position or low position, whatever, I'm paraphrasing it, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter where you're at. Come to God as you are. And let God sort things out. If you remain a slave for the rest of your life, that doesn't make you any less valuable or effective as a member of my body and of the kingdom. And, but he also wasn't saying, hey, if you're a slave, stay a slave. He was just saying, don't let that hinder your relationship with God. Don't let that hinder what you, you're coming to him and who he would make you to be. I said to you, don't let what you do hinder your relationship with him. Come to him as you are. Come to him with what you have, with what you want. But come to him. Let him be the one that would that take everything you have, everything you are, now, many of us in this room, we've moved countries, we've built careers, we've built these different things. I'm not suggesting to you, God's going to take all that away from you. But would you give that all to him? Would you give it all to him? Ecclesiastics is a book of the Old Testament where you've got Solomon writing it. And he's basically going, everything is meaningless outside of relationship with God. Everything is meaningless. But he says, he's like, look, if you have wealth, if you have riches, and God's given that to you, and you give it then enjoy it. And if you don't, then don't stress about it. You know, because we can chase spend all our life chasing after things that have no meaning at all and miss the one that makes it all worthwhile. Jesus Christ. God, Father, Son, Spirit. And so as we go into this year, may being with God be the top priority for every single one of us. Because he's the one, you know, this, this fall was the this season that just passed. September to December was super busy for me. And I'll be honest in confession as a leader, a church leader, it's really easy in that busyness to neglect God to neglect intimacy with him because there's just so much to do. And that happens in my life. I'm sure it happens in your life. If we're honest, where it's like, Hey, the, the, the importance of that relationship somehow gets diminished amongst all the other things screaming for our attention. And yet the one thing that puts all of that in order is our relationship with him. And remember the father of all lies is still the prince of this world. And he is going to do everything he can to come at you to ensure that relationship with God is a low priority. You know, that it's an afterthought, not a first thought. Why? Because he knows that when we get that right, then we become unstoppable in the kingdom, regardless of what it is that we're doing when we get right to this thing of our communion with God, when we're in a place when we're not afraid to share our most intimate thoughts and feelings with him, when we're in a place where we can hear his voice and hear his intimate thoughts and feelings and allow him to lead us and guide us that way, then there's nothing that'll stop us. And I say to people, you know, that my relationship with God at this stage, when people are like, well, how do you believe in him? I'm like, I could not not believe in him because I talk to him. I know him. He speaks to me. There's no question that he's there. My relationship is not based on 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 someone else's faith. It's on my own. It's on my own intimate connection relationship. You could not convince me that God does not exist. The evidence is overwhelming to me by my own relationship with him that he's there. And yet I know my relationship is only a little bit of what it's meant to be. And so my prayer for us as a community, as we move forward into this next year, that our relationship with God would be our top priority. Not our only priority. We all have lots of priorities, but it would be first and foremost, before anything else, we would be like, "God, I want to commune with you, I want to commune with you I want, you know and that communing is that sitting and being you know sitting, walking, whatever you need to do to be like I'm blocking out everything else, and I'm with you. Let's chat, let's talk. People will describe that level of intimacy. Mother Teresa, in an interview, described that intimacy as being able to sit with God and say nothing and have him say nothing to you, but just being satisfied with his very presence. Being satisfied with his very presence. Doesn't mean we don't ever say anything. But he is so for you. And and I want to, over the next weeks and months, be presenting to us a radiant picture of Jesus, that there would be nothing else that we would want. So that as we go out into the world, we would be able to present that radiant picture of Jesus to others. That we wouldn't present to people, well, come to God because he's going to solve your problems. But we'd be able to represent God for who he truly is. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and we'll uh, wrap up. Actually, just close, if everyone can just close their eyes for a second. Lord, I pray that over the coming days, you would be revealing your glory to each and every one of us. that we would come to a greater understanding of your goodness and just how great you are. That you truly would become in each and every one of our lives the treasure that is worth selling everything for. If you don't have that place, or what, I should say it differently, Lord, whatever parts of our heart you don't have that place, Help us to surrender those to you. That your love for us, we would understand how wide and how deep your love is. That we would want nothing else. We would want nothing else than to do life with you. To experience the greatness of who you are radiant beauty, your unending love, your incredible goodness, your compassion, that we would truly know that for what it is so that it would be our reality bigger than anything else. Regardless of the circumstances that are going on around us, especially when they're not working out the way that we think they should. That above all else, there would be you. That Jesus, you would be the name above every other name in our lives and in our heart. You really would be our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher and our counselor, and you dwell in each of us. Teach us. Teach us. To desire Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with the Father, a relationship with you above all else. And in the name of Jesus, I bless us with everything that we would need to do that. That you truly would be our pearl of great price. Amen. Amen. If you are here this morning, well, thank you. <laughs> if, you're, if you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, then there'll be people up at the front to pray for you, so please come on down. And uh, otherwise, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And uh, we will we'll see you throughout the week or next weekend. Have a great time.